0: I got to chat today with dan brownshire dan has fast become one of my favorite people in the space being one of the founders of channel key a marketing brand management agency focused on growing real brands on amazon he recently exited his business that he built over the last 14 years i believe and we talk about some really interesting topics the guy is an absolute og of the space and one of the good guys really so Uh, Have a listen, tell me what you think. And most importantly, I hope you take some valuable insights from all the words of wisdom Dan had to share. Welcome to Successful Scales, the show where I talk to world-class professionals on what it takes to scale successful businesses. I dive deep, asking questions to people who are running unicorn businesses, to raising funds, to buying businesses, mergers and acquisitions, IP and patent law. What is to manage performance management? I mean, the list goes on. The idea really is how do I create knowledge and learning for you guys listening in? And of course, myself, getting the floor with people who I, in many cases, would never dream to share a room with. Before we jump into the episode, I've got to give a special thank you to our sponsors. Firstly, over at Global Wide Advisors, a leading digital consumer products investment bank focused on optimizing the sales process incredible team always happy to pick up the phone and educate you or anyone about the sales process and what you should really consider and can obviously help take you to market or even acquire businesses i ring them for just about everything these days us over at multiply me we are the end-to-end executive search and hr function into the philippines helping find better talent and onboarding them effectively and last but not least Escala, our management consultancy focused on process improvement, where we help build better systems for your business. That's all the ads you're going to get from me, ladies and gentlemen. The rest is all about learning. I hope you really enjoy and get as much out of these sessions as I do sitting face-to-face with some of the world-renowned leaders in their respective fields, asking them the tough questions that they're not often asked. All right, Dan, mate, I am stoked to have you on an episode of Successful Scales. Welcome to the show.
1: Happy to be here, Yoni. It's always good talking to you.
0: Mate, likewise. I feel like, you know, we've gotten to know each other pretty well pretty quickly, you know, considering that we probably met in the last three months, I would say, you know, properly. And uh, it's been a long road for me. I told you I met uh, Kristen two years ago, never really got connected, and now we're here and... uh, mate just really excited to to dig in so before before we do dig in and we talk about all the things that we both know and love and that's about growing businesses and all of the opportunities that seem to you know ensue when you start building that flywheel i'd love you to tell those listening at home a little bit about your background and then what you're up to today because even what you're up to today is, is super interesting
1: yeah. Uh, Yoni, happy to be here, man. And yeah, we haven't known each other that long, but it feels like we've known each other uh, a lot longer. So we're, uh, uh, you know, I appreciate everything that you're doing and, you know, it's, it's amazing to see kind of how active and, uh, you are in, in the space and, uh, in the network and, you know, the growth that you're seeing as well. So, uh, happy to know you, man, it's an honor to, to be on the show and I appreciate you having me. Uh, so my background, um, so currently I run a, a channel management agency um, called Channel Key and we are uh, supporting brand owners, manufacturers uh, in the strategy development and execution of their uh, businesses on amazon.com and walmart.com. Um, and we've been at it since the early part of 2017, officially uh, a fully remote company at this point um, domestically in the U S but also we've got staff, uh, all over the world at this point. So, uh, 40 plus headcount right now. Um, and a, a relevant kind of pedigree conversation as we spun channel key out of a, um, uh, an organization I co-founded with some friends from college called trend nation, um, and trend nation, uh, is a product based business um, selling through marketplaces, primarily Amazon, Walmart, Target Plus, uh, Home Depot.com. Uh, and nation has been around for about 14 years, um, has been a lot of things over the years. The constant is a product, a, a seller of products, uh, and whether that uh, isn't a distributor model or uh, an exclusive distributor model, uh, reseller model, uh, or today, which is is all private label. So uh, that business owns brands and develops products and and sells through through marketplaces. So that's kind of the relevant background to where I'm at today. Um, you know, in essence, we saw the the writing on the wall in the trend nation days back in really 2013, kind of 2014. That uh, trying to compete uh, trading commodities in essence on Amazon, uh, and selling on price was, uh, not a, a business we felt was protected and wanted to be in. Um, and so pivoted that business and felt that, uh, we could create a really a service-based model to, to help other brands create best in class Amazon businesses. So that's kind of the Genesis. My background primarily is kind of business development. Uh, that's, uh, how my brain works, uh, People, strategy, uh, vision—that's usually how I approach things.
0: And it's very apparent to me why we get along so well because all the things that I love, I think you love too, and you know, get me into the to the deep into the details, and you know, particularly the numbers. And you're probably going to lose me real quick. I don't know. I won't speak for you, Dan, but uh, that's definitely me.
1: There's a point where I and I this is this has happened. I become the bottleneck right and i'm getting in the way of the business growing uh and that's my cue to get out of the way so yes sometimes the numbers are where that happens and certainly process and structure in a lot of cases so yes yoni i feel you on that
0: totally To promoting yourself to a state of incompetence i think is the 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 framework or the the term and yeah i've done that many times but um To your story, um, I think that I think really really interesting. Um, when you talk about Trend Nation, Matt, I'd love you to sort of break down, um, that model because I find it super interesting. And from a personal standpoint, it's one that I'm less familiar. Uh, when you talk about sort of the the distribution channels or the sort of exclusive distribution rights and 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 things around that, like how does how you said you pivoted, you, you wanted to move away from selling commodities on Amazon and, you know, the race to the bottom. So how did you, what was the, what was the area that you saw as the risk there without me putting words into your mouth? And then like, what was that journey like into pivoting? And then what does it actually mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's a good topic. Uh, Yoni, extremely relevant. If you're in the Amazon world today, and I guess, for that, you know, uh, for that matter, any kind of product business or distribution model, especially Amazon, it's relevant. Um, so what we experienced was um, it was really a progression, uh, really in lockstep with the proliferation of the Amazon. And so we started the business just really with a thought of saying, you know what, we believe. And this e-commerce thing—at least this was my mindset. My partners might say something different. Um, you know, this e-commerce thing is interesting. Um, we don't know where it's going to go. We believe it's a thing, and we want to participate. And so it was really a side hustle to start. Is let's just start sourcing products on Alibaba, and selling them through eBay, right? Started on eBay, and we were sourcing different product types and certain categories, and selling them through eBay. And then eventually we created websites and. Um, you know, it kind of developed over time. Um, and at some point we started, um, so that I I guess in essence, that was a private label business, right? We were sourcing goods and putting our logo on those products, sourcing it on Alibaba, wasn't anything special or unique. We were just sourcing goods. Um, at some point in 2000, really nine, 2010, we started attending trade shows in Las Vegas, Okay, that's where the business is, is headquartered. And we started buying brand name goods, brand name merchandise, okay, uh, in various categories. But these are brands you find in a department store, you know, Macy's or wherever. And uh, very early on started reselling that product on Amazon. Okay, and this was, you know, again, 2009, 2010, so the early Amazon days, the early FDA days where it was less um, popular. And so the business exploded at that point. It exploded. It it really for something like three or four consecutive years doubled. It's double, double, double. Team grew. We hired a lot of people. We hired a buying team, right? We were buyers at that point. So the buyers were in a specific category. They walk trade shows, and their job was to buy merchandise. Okay. And we'd store it in our warehouse and we'd ship it to FBA and we'd ship it direct to consumer out of the warehouse. And that was. Uh, going very well for a number of years. Uh, But what we saw happen is uh, others caught on to the gig, right? Others figured it out. And so uh, it became extremely competitive. And we were competing against other resellers like ourselves. And all we were doing at that point uh, was competing on price. And so in the Amazon lingo, we were uh, competing for the buy box. Okay. And so what we realized was that the LTV of the product uh, got shorter and shorter and shorter. And so we were continually just chasing, we were chasing products, chasing skews, chasing margin. And it became a situation where we said, you know what, there's really not a moat around this business. It's not protected in in any way. Uh, Now we're good at execution. We're good at selling through the marketplace, but the products we're selling aren't protected. Um, And we don't control anything. And so, when I say trading commodities, that's what I mean. We were competing on price. And so we said, okay, how do we how do we create a controlled environment? And we said, why don't we go to these brands that we work with and say, hey, brand, let us be your exclusive distributor of this product on Amazon. And in exchange for that, we're gonna, you know, fix your content, fix your images. We're gonna hold price, okay? Because a lot of these brands uh, in those days, their issues were their issues were you know, uh, map violations or, or pricing issues, and it created a lot of channel conflicts. So we said, hey, brand, let us, A, cut your PO, buy the product, store the product, ship the product, uh, but we'll also hold price and we will fix your listings and try and create a representation of the brand that's more in line with your website or, or other channels. Um, and so that was the strategy for a period of time. That was, the, the, that was a pivot. Um, and it worked for a period of time and that was uh, a focus. And we developed a lot of great brand relationships and it, it, it worked to a point, um, but we said, you know what? There's still a flaw in this model as well uh, because uh, A, you know, we're buying the goods and it's incumbent upon the brand to be able to control their distribution. And if they can't, and there's gray market merchandise floating around the ecosystem, guess what? We bought the product and we agreed to hold price and we get stuck holding back. And so in a lot of cases, it didn't make sense. Or if the, the, the brand had a, a wide or long tail assortment, we didn't necessarily want to buy all the product. Like we just wanted to buy the stuff that moved. And, and in that model and that equation, we can never clearly define who the customer was, right? Are we the customer because we're, you know, uh, cutting the POs and, and paying the brand or, is the brand the customer because they gave us an exclusivity and we could never figure it out. And so, uh, you know, and I don't know if that's kind of a, a, really a root issue or topic that said that model didn't work for us. We just couldn't get clarity around it. So we said, you know what? The real way to win on Amazon is if you own the brand. You gotta own the brand. You gotta control the distribution. You gotta develop the products. You gotta control that entire experience. And so on the, on the product side, we said, okay, let's do private label right? Let's get back to private label. So that was the pivot. And then the other pivot was, we said, let's create a service-based agency model to help other brands control their business because they own the brand uh, and service them through their channel keys. So that's the, that's the genesis.
0: And, and on that, and this is like, I, and I'm coming to you from a question where you know, I've been an Amazon seller I'm now, you know, I grew up as a, you know, I grew up 10 years in creative advertising, digital marketing and agency land, moved to product. Now I'm back to service. And I sometimes question the decision to be totally transparent. You know, at the end of the day, I'm always accountable for, you know, our clients' potential issues that may or may not crop up. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, breaking back to the model of like, you are in control when you are the private label seller. And you are manufacturing the product yourself, and you are bringing it to market. It's kind yeah. of the same thing, um, I think, when you're selling product versus being a service provider. What was the what was the logic in moving into having both the service based business and your own uh, product at the same time? Why not double down on one or the other?
1: You know, a lot of that, I think, Yoni was uh, just a you know the a, a personnel decision right? It was an an opportunity decision and a personnel decision, right? Is who do we have on the team and what opportunities do we have in front of us? And do we believe there's an opportunity to to really double down on the Amazon ecosystem with two different business models? And so I would say, you know what, we actually did double down. We did double down. We actually created an entirely new business based upon what we learned. Uh, And, uh, you know, with the belief that we felt Amazon was on a rocket ship and it wasn't going anywhere, and so there's a lot of ways to kind of uh, participate in an ecosystem like that. And so um, I would say we actually did double down, right? And we said, okay, we're going to go left and right simultaneously, um, and um, and participate in a more you know deep way uh, with the channel.
0: How many how many partners are you guys?
1: Uh, there's three of us. Three
0: of us. Okay. I mean, you know, I, I'm always trying to think as well. Like, you know, going back to the to the genesis of the the show, Successful Scales. For me, yeah. I started it because I was I was really always trying to learn from people who had been there and done it before. And you know, one of the things that's always an interesting consideration is like, what's the DNA and the skill set of the team that's actually driving the business forward? And so having. Yeah three people like what's the what's the breakdown of the skill sets
1: it's funny so and i think that's you're getting to the to to the you know part of the the heart of the matter here is you know my my other two partners are good one's very technical and one is very very much a visionary and a kind of a, a ceo type they're very much good at that at the product business okay um my skill set is is less is less aligned with that business type unless we're creating partnerships right and and trying to create strategic relationships and so for me it was more of a natural fit to be on the agency side because it's very much service oriented partnership focused uh and building relationships with brands um and vendors and that's you know where i feel most comfortable so if i wasn't if you know, if I didn't have that personality type, we maybe not have, we might not have created the the agency, right? If I was a coder developer or a merchandiser or something like that, then we probably wouldn't have done it. But based upon who we were and where we we were at that moment in time uh, and what we all felt we were good at, that's what made the most amount of sense.
0: Yeah, and and I think you know just the way you're even outlining it, and one of the things that has definitely rung true through you know a lot of the conversations that I've had over the last several years is is having that dynamic. You know, you've got someone who can build the relationships and be single single-minded and focused on how do I how do I attract the right partners and how do I drive that forward? How do I build the vision and you know, as a second independent person and drive the direction? And I'm assuming the third team member or partner very operationally savvy if i had
1: to guess right yeah that's right exactly and it's like it's it's just the
0: winning you know it's the winning trifecta and that's like one thing that i've really learned to be true is that you you have to have it's like the coo for example i think it is the most underrated highest value skill set that any business could ever have and it's the difference between you know doing a million dollars and a hundred million dollars is someone who can really sit and build that process and tell the visionary that, you know, 99 of those ideas are absolutely terrible. Do not go yeah. down that path, but that one that we can do something with. And I think, you know, just having a dynamic like that is effectively what likely allowed you to scale and build both channel key and uh, you know, and the brands or the platform as you defined it before we hit record and I, you know what? I really want to dive into that because 14 years. You said you you started um, you started building the the brand Trend Nation. Yes. Yeah. And that that is a long time. When you talk about everything that you and I hear uh, about all the time about aggregators, the acquisition of brands that you know they've been around for two years, multiples of four and five on trailing twelve EBITDA, and you know it's becoming like. Yeah you know, that's becoming the speak. So 14 years having pivots, going through this journey, also having an agency testing methodologies with other clients, you know, having that mass appeal and exposure and that ability to, to really learn. Like I also think that it's very smart to have the service business too, because right. People are paying you money. So you can't fuck it up. Right. But the reality is you still get exposure into different verticals and different experiences. Um, what um i mean you know you, you told me before we can talk about the topic but again congratulations for selling trend nation right
1: yeah thank you yeah yeah I mean.
0: so i mean talk talk to me a little bit about that that journey cuz again a lot of people listening in you know they're probably considering or if they're not they should be looking at what it looks to take chips off the table and exit sure. their business and you know this is like the golden age so I'd love to hear a little bit about the, the decision, the mindset, the direction, like why now? What was the opportunity and, you know, how did that all come to be?
1: Yeah. So <clears throat> let's see. Um, th- it was a, certainly a journey, right? It's certainly been a journey, um, and, you know, in, in full transparency, my partners operate that business. So I'm not in the day-to-day, you know, I'm solely focused on operating uh, Channel Key in the agency and, and kind of managing uh, my team and working with our clients. So, you know, what I'm speaking to is just kind of my perspective from some, you know, not necessarily from the outside in, but I'm not, you know, intimately, wasn't intimately involved with, uh, you know, some of the proceedings, but but surely, um,
0: surely, you know, just before you jump into it, what you're doing yeah. inside of Channel Key is a hugely, it's an invaluable factor in the ability for them to be better operators. Surely there's some sort of, you know, I hate using the word synergy, but there's some sort of cross pollination of this is what's working inside of channel, channel Key when we talk about PPC management or listing optimization or creation or how we're yeah. approaching you know, whatever it is, driving traffic off of, you know, off of Pinterest into Amazon, whatever it is, like, right. surely there's a relationship there that's helping propel that business forward.
1: Yeah. You know what? There's learnings on both sides, right? That are extremely relevant. And whether if it, whether it's a, a specific strategy or whether it's a, a software type or a way to aggregate data and pull it into a dashboard that's really effective and efficient, there's, there's a ton of information that can be leveraged that is very relevant in in both businesses and so we yeah we learned we learn stuff from the product business and and they learn stuff uh, from us um, now we don't share data right but strategies ideas partners vendors you know multiply me like that's a potential resource yoni that uh, that business could use or any other business for that matter that I'm familiar with so yeah, there's a lot of potential crossover there, um, and you know we—that's where we cut our teeth. I mean, we 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 ChannelKey cut its teeth by running a product business, and you know we made all the mistakes, right? We made all the mistakes. Uh, so theoretically, our, our clients don't have to, right? And so that's you know the the learnings were there from the start, and ChannelKey wouldn't be ChannelKey without with, without Trendation. But what's interesting is is both businesses are different. They're separate and they're different there's a different culture it's a different team it's a different mindset uh, and, it's, and it's a different approach to the way the businesses are run and at, on the agency side we work with a lot of brands uh, some of them are small and some of them are really big and we see how they operate. We see what their staff and team structures are like we see what sort of resources they have in place and what sort of tech they use and the challenges that are going through with you know you know implementing a new ERP or business process like we see all that, um, and certainly you know I see it on the on the on the on the Trend nation side as well. Some of the issues they have and they're different, right? They're different, uh, and you know the the relationship between the founder, the founders, um, and how the business is capitalized is really interesting too, and so. Um, you know, back to your earlier question is it, it's a, it's a lot of, it's a risk equation. Okay. So why, why did Trenation decide to, to take on a partner now? Well, there's a lot of reasons why, um, the, the, the space is really hot right now. It's a really with the, all the aggregators and the institutional money coming in, like it's a really interesting time. And, and there's a lot of interest in what we're doing, uh, both on the agency side and in the product side. Um, but there's also what a lot of people don't realize is to run a product business um, and to try and capitalize that business, it's, it's very intensive. Um, and uh, how, are you, how are you getting capital, right? How are you funding inventory purchases? Uh, just because you make $10 million a year in sales doesn't mean you make $10 million, right? And a lot of people don't understand that. And you've got to, if you want to keep the, 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 the train on the tracks, you got to redeploy that capital, and hopefully there's enough left over for everybody to, you know, pay themselves a fair wage and, you know, live a, a decent lifestyle. And so at some point, if the opportunity's right, you want to de-risk, you know, and not necessarily leverage your entire personal asset, uh, your personal assets and your family's future, you know, on buying inventory and say, you know what, like it's time to. Uh, uh, maybe take on a partner and, and try and grow this thing even bigger and better and faster. And so that was that, you know, that's part of the equation is just at some point it, it starts to make sense. You build a business for that long and you capitalize it for that long yourself. You know, at some point when the time is right, it makes sense to kind of take some chips off and, and take on somebody that can help you go even faster. And so that's, you know, a really big part of the equation.
0: Yeah. And I think, I, I think for those listening in and, you know, sort of thinking through that equation, like the the risk factor, especially when the market being as hot as it is like, yeah, that 10 million, 20 million, 50 million, whatever number when people are talking about revenue, which in my opinion is the wrong number to be chasing. Um, it is. It's usually, you know, it's usually the yardstick of like we're a $20 million business. We're a $10 million business. Like what is yeah. a, <laughs> a vanity metric? It's an absolute vanity metric. Like, okay. million business means more headcount, means more employees, means, you know, more risk, more investment in inventory, means finding growth capital, means, like, more shit can go wrong, effectively.
1: Yeah, 100%. And,
0: And when you fuck up, it can be a huge, like, catastrophic mess and... You know you're not talking about like cool, it's you know, 10 grand here and five grand there, you, you know, you're talking about serious money here, and
1: you know, yeah. you're,
0: you're talking you're talking about being a guarantor to a business and you know putting it all on the line. So I think you know, from for people getting to that point where um, they have the opportunity to de-risk, and you know, the reality is as well. There's nothing stopping you from going again. You could go and build another product-based business tomorrow, probably not directly competing with it. Uh, but you know, you could build a product-based business as well, taking all that knowledge. You go again. You probably do it better the next time as well. Realistically, you're not going to make the same mistakes.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, at the end of the at the end of all of that, there's people, right? And so, yeah, you've got chips on the table, but guess what? You've got a lot of employees, and you've got. You know, there's there's a responsibility there, and so um, you know it, it could, in, in a lot of cases, create more opportunities for for your people, but certainly also for for the founder and the founder's family as well. So, the, you know, it's it's certainly a a money and risk equation, but you've also got a you also can't forget about the people that got you there. You know, so, um, yeah, it's interesting.
0: One hundred percent. Well, we were talking a little bit about what that exit look like for you and it sounded like it was a pretty interesting structure and you know i think as well the whole you know the whole i was going to say nation the whole notion of this show i've got trend nation on the brain here um is you know education right so yeah. you don't ha- you don't have to go the you know cash on close exit strategy and a lot of the aggregators actually have sort of the stipend on the back end where you get like a yeah performance bonus on the back, but to, to me, it sounds like you have a, a more interesting deal structure. Would love you to sort of break down, uh, if it's cool, a little bit about what that's like and also like the the rationale behind it and what that means for you moving forward.
1: Yeah. So, um, uh, Trination lives on. Um, and it wasn't a scenario where, you know, the founders were kicked out and said, we don't need you anymore. Um, the intention here was it was a very strategic situation where, um, you know, we didn't sell all of it, we sell most of it. And uh, the idea was that my partners would stay on and operate and continue to drive the business forward under new guidance and, uh, you know, leadership uh, with a new strategy and structure. And so, you know, to your point, a lot of the, uh, let's see, the aggregator transactions are, you're, you're just cashing out and you're done, right? You're done and maybe there's some back end or something like that, but in other scenarios, and this is not you know, limited to the Amazon space or the aggregator spaces and you know, a lot of business types is the founders stay on to keep operating and to build up something even better and even bigger uh, because the management team is so strong, the processes and the infrastructure is so strong uh, that the founders stick around, uh, and, and keep running the business. And so that was more in line with what happened with, with, with cremation. So it's, uh, quite honestly, really exciting. Um, just to think that, you know, the work that was built, uh, primarily by my partners over the years is, is, uh, is going to be built upon, uh, and could create something uh, much larger and much more impactful. So, uh, that's just what we experience. It's more of a platform uh, to 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 add and create more, as opposed to just uh, you know a selling of products or a trademark or you know a handful of ASINs or a seller central account or something like that. It's much more long term based and and uh, kind of strategic uh, in a sense. So that's that's what we experienced.
0: And, and and on that note, and even just sort of breaking it down further. When, when I'm hearing you sort of explain the, the breakdown of the deal, you know you've got your awesome partners who are now operating it with new guidance at a more strategic level because they're bringing in the right people. and you know if if I've learned anything over the years, it's all the, the strength of the company is based on the capability of the team. It's always about the people. Yeah. And yeah. so when you, when you sort of put a couple of superpowers together and you continue to build that, you know, that human capital infrastructure, you know, some magic happens. And so from where you're sitting, you know, this is effectively, you know, a crazy notion. I have no idea about the numbers of what you sold for and how much equity you have left in the business. But, you know, just just thinking through what that actually means, that's how you create real wealth here because you now as an original founder of the business have, you know, effectively a relationship that is like uh, an investor in the business and one that's now been given all the resources. And I don't know what the, you know, what the long-term reality is, whether that business then goes on to list or sell or change hands again, whatever that looks like, but that in itself might be worth more than the exit value that you've seen today, depending on the growth. And that is just a, a crazy thing to think about that you've taken it to a point. It's now going to grow, you know, outside of, you know, your sort of realm of, of, direct impact in consciousness and it might be more valuable in their hands after what you've done than it ever was it's just crazy
1: yeah yoni know, it's it's for me i never really considered it i never even thought about it that way um you know we didn't build the business to, to that wasn't the end game right but it just kind of happened because of the scale of the business and the the, the uh the strategic partner that came in So yeah, it's very possible. It's very possible that the thing could go on and just, you know, who, who, who knows, right? If it doubles, triples, quadruples, gets another injection of capital, acquires more businesses. It it could be, it it could be anything uh, at that point. And so, yeah, the, the, the first uh, transaction to your point uh, might not be the last transaction. And you know the second or the third or the fourth or whatever it may be could they they could never happen right it it could nothing could happen or it could be a lot larger you just don't know but certainly the opportunity is there um and you know the the capital and the and the people and the infrastructure is going to get better and so um you know assuming there's a Good execution, which I've no doubt there will be, uh, and the market stays where it's at for a period of time, which I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. It could start to get really interesting for sure.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point, like you've effectively hedged your bets, you know, you get a, a solid payout, I imagine, 14 years. Like, I don't, I've really got to look at this stat because it, it's coming up more and more now where people are holding on to businesses for a long time. But like, I think yeah. it's like 5% of businesses break that 10 year mark. It's like a very small percentage. So it's very small. So you're in yeah. this like really small percentile of where you've taken it to you've taken chips off the table, you know, you're, you know, you're in a more financially stable and secure position and you now have this thing that's like, you know, it, it could, it could go through the stratosphere, even if it went bust, which it doesn't sound like it will, you know, you've really, you, you've planted the seeds that are really going to allow you to do it to accumulate wealth, not just make money. And I think like, if there's one thing that I'm starting to learn is that how do I, or, you know, how do you be extremely focused in what you're good at and then be able to leverage other people's, you know, unique talents and expertise for them to drive forward and then sort of grow this entire pool as a collective. And that, you know, that's sort of the, I mean, the whole, we were talking before we hit, um, Record before, but um, you know, for me, like the whole notion of an incubator model, investing in founders who are as hungry and as passionate as guys like you and me—that if you deploy resources in and you can add the value to them and vice versa, then that becomes this beautiful partnership where together you're just better. And I think you know, it sounds like this sale uh, and the deal structure is exactly that.
1: Yeah, it's got a, certainly a lot of runway. Yoni, it's got a lot of runway and a lot of a lot of great opportunities. So you know, it's it's exciting. Um, and I think of it too to your point, you know, kind of this ecosystem and or incubator model. Um, and I you know and I it it feels to me very much like um, compounding assets. Okay, so just you know think about a a, a stock account or a securities account. Um, and acquiring more of that over time, right? Acquiring more securities or more assets or whether it's real estate or whatever the case may be, it's an asset. And those things uh, individually can be great, um, but together uh, they compound uh, in a, can, they can compound in a really big way and, and you can start to leverage all of it Together uh, and leverage other elements to feed other elements um, uh, of that pool, and it becomes really interesting. And so, yeah, these are you know these are partnerships, these are businesses, these are assets, these are you know. And so, I kind of if I'm thinking very kind of black and white and financially minded, like it's a great asset with upside. You know, certainly there's a lot more behind that you know, there's relationships and people and business and structure and all these things. Um, but if you got a lot of horses in the race, you know, um, things will hit and some things won't hit. And, and then the things that hit, you leverage and you, you go deeper or you go wider and it, you know, that's what I'm learning too. Uh, and uh, as a part of this is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very, it can be very powerful, it can be very powerful, not only from a relationship perspective, but financially very powerful if you structure and set up things the right way.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can't believe I'm looking at the clock and we've already gotten to the top of the hour here. I do not know if you got on the meeting now, but mate, um, before, before I let you go, I mean, I'm loving every minute of this and I just think, you know, it it, 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 honestly, it just solidifies like why, when we met the first time and you know, over what feels like I feel like I've known you my whole life, but really it's been literally three months. We've just happened to speak and see each other a fair bit in this in this I'm time. I'm gonna visit you in Tel
1: Aviv. Uh, yeah,
0: a hundred percent. I'm I'm actually trying to tee up uh, some sort of seller summit here, maybe in May next year. Uh, Counting in,
1: yeah, barring any uh, you know crazy pandemic, uh, you know I, I would love to come out.
0: So uh, we're gonna make it happen. We're gonna make it happen. But before okay. I let before I let you go, uh, yeah. anyone who's listening in, anyone uh, like who's the who's the perfect profile to be working with Channel Key? What's the best way to get in touch with you? You know, I mean, I yeah. would love you to to give Channel Key a bit of a plug. And just from my personal perspective, I've spoken to a number of the team. I've loved hearing absolutely everything that you guys are up to there, and you know, I'm. I'm I'm pretty critical, having come from that space, and like I said, really impressed with everything you guys have going on. So, I mean, I'll let you take it away. How do they get in touch?
1: Yeah, uh, so you can uh, let's see, go to our website www.channelkey.com, which we're relaunching here, uh, hopefully by the end of this week. So, um, we're quite excited about that. Uh, follow me on LinkedIn. I post, I comment, I uh, an active on that. Uh, on that channel, um, and in general, you know, Yoni and I, was, I could talk for days about this topic around kind of building an agency and structuring an agency and the what happens as you grow and scale. Um, but for us, we work with brands, with brand owners, manufacturers, and you know, we we like um, um, you know, we're typically kind of in the small, medium-sized business space. So you know, Amazon accounts that are you know a million plus um and we're operators we're full service operators so we don't just do ads we don't just do content um we're full service so we've got analysts and uh we've got graphic designers and copywriters and account managers and we really wrap our arms around our clients businesses and become their team their outsourced team to run things and so uh, you know we take on earlier lifecycle clients that are kind of launching maybe they're d2c and they want to activate on Amazon and and some that are very far down the life cycle that just need a higher level of sophistication or uh, need a change or uh, or want a new strategic business plan so that's kind of our approach um, and in general we're really selective in who we work with um, and we do a lot of heavy lifting and research and due diligence on the on the front side to trying to even understand if, if we think, if we feel like we can move the needle. Um, and this is the growing an agency and learning this the hard way is the client fit with the agency is one of the most important things uh, to creating a kind of long-term partnership which is our goal. And so we try to get it right the first time on the front side, uh, very much heavily Uh, focus on strategy and business planning and then, and then, you know, execution on the back end. So um, if you're a brand or interested in this, you should come talk to me. We'd love to talk to you. And I'd
0: say say that's great. I'd also say, if you're only listening in, Dan's got a real face that you can trust. So (laughs) if you're watching, you'll see it. But I mean, just to, just to um, really, you know, um, I want to say personify that. I don't know if that actually makes sense. It's late here. It's just after 10 PM and it's been a long day, but yeah, any yeah. any any business that's going to take that approach where they do the heavy lifting on the front end and actually vet you and say, you're actually not a right fit for us as a client. Like that is for me, those are the partners that I'm looking for where they, you know, like with Multiply Me and Escala, there's no long-term locking contracts if you don't like the solution, then, you know, it's got to work for both parties. And I think that uh, level of upfront work, that commitment, I mean, it really just speaks volumes about you as an individual and Channel Key as yeah. a business. So, you know, I could go on and keep plugging Channel Key, but I think you guys have got the point here. <laughs> You're
1: doing great. You're
0: awesome. <laughs> I'm looking for a job. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, Dan, seriously, it's been awesome having you on. Uh, thanks so much for taking time out of your your busy day. And, uh, mate, I, I look forward to seeing you again in the flesh, if in Israel yeah. or hopefully I'll probably be in the U.S. again this year. So we'll definitely have to reconnect.
1: Yeah, Yoni, it's a pleasure. Honored to know you. Uh, what, what you're doing is really impressive, and I'm happy to be a, a part of it. And hopefully I can help along the way and uh, be a resource. So uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, love to come back and do it again if you'll have me. And uh, look forward to seeing you again.
0: Anytime, mate. Thank you very much.